Hey everybody, Mike Winger here. What you're about to see is a flashback to an interview I did three years ago in July of 2018 with Remnant Radio. I think this interview has a lot of value though because while I've never uploaded it on my channel, it does have content I haven't shared elsewhere about the topic of baptism. We cover a ton of different things. For that reason, there's timestamps down below. So you can kind of bounce around, find exactly what is most beneficial for you, what you feel is the stuff that you wanna know. I hope that this is a blessing to you and that you are strengthened and encouraged in the word of God today. God bless you. Thank you so much for tuning in this week to The Remnant Radio. We've got a powerful episode for you today. I've got Mike Winger, who's video chatting in, and we're going to be discussing water baptism. So you guys stay tuned. It's going to be a great episode. Hey, everybody. This is Joshua Lewis with The Remnant Radio. Remnant Radio, if you guys who are new, Remnant Radio exists to challenge orthodoxy, embrace diversity, and empower people for practical ministry. It's our goal to uh, revisit the scriptures, make sure what we're teaching is biblical theology and not the, the traditions of men. And that's ultimately what we're doing uh, today. Jeff will be viewing the questions. So Mike, tell yeah, us a little bit guys. about yourself, a little bit about your ministry for those of you, for those who follow us on the Facebook. Um, and tell us on a little bit Facebook. about yourself. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, I do an online teaching ministry and it's it's the... The title of the ministry, in a sense, is Bible Thinker, and that's the website, BibleThinker.org. But on YouTube, my YouTube channel is called Mike Winger, and the Lord's really been blessing it. I like to handle controversial issues, and I like to, not for the sake of the controversy, but I really like to go for clarity and for biblical faithfulness and for hopefully good research and hard work done uh, to just make things accessible. So um, my channel covers things like evidence for uh, God, evidence for the Bible, um, uh, I talk about atheism and different groups within Christianity, including doing some gracious but honest critiques of some of the content that we see going on in the body of Christ uh, nowadays. And so, yeah, that, God's really been blessing it. Just this last year, I've gone, oh man, it's just, I've gone from like 9,000 subs in January to like over 20,000 today. And um, it's just really been blowing up in a really neat way. Yeah. So people are hungry for like good subs, theology. You're like, I got some subs. That means you're going places on YouTube. That's right. Yeah, you don't, they're not even subscriptions anymore. You know, they're subs, bro. No, it's it's uh, you know, it used to be uh, my family, and now yeah. it's just fam. My fam, you know, uh, in Chicago, when you're really making it. Flammy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so today we were talking about water baptism. Uh, if if time permits, we might be talking about some regenerative baptism, but we're going to kind of camp on pedo baptism. So, uh, Mike, give us kind of an introduction to what baptism is and the mo and, and what does it do. I think those are two important questions for mm. framing this discussion. What is baptism and what does it do? Okay, um, so ba what baptism is, is is pretty simple. I mean, on the physical side, you know, you, you go into the water, you come out. The word baptism or baptize, it's actually in the Greek, it's baptizo. It just means to immerse. And they would use that exact same word to talk about like taking a piece of clothing and dumping it, dumping it in a vat of dye to, to give it a new color, you know? So like mm -hmm. immersion, that's what it means. So in a sense, when you say baptism by immersion, you're like saying immersion by immersion, like it's, it's kind of redundant. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's just what the word means. And um, in the Christian theology view, what we're, what we're saying with baptism is when a person is baptized, they're saying, I believe in Jesus Christ. You know, I, I believe specifically that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, that he rose that's from good. the dead. And I'm not only saying I believe it in my head, I'm identifying myself with what Jesus did so that he did it for me and I've received it. So it's a, like a positional statement. I am a Christian. I am a follower of yeah. Christ. And then it's like a, um, 
in another sense, it's like an initiation into the visible church. It's like saying, hey, I'm a member of the church of the body of Christ. Hmm. Really, baptism is the first thing a Christian was asked to do um, once they repented and believed. Now now go get baptized. That's kind of the, the model we have in the New Testament. Right. So, good. Yeah. You have a question? Well, I was just going to say that, I mean, one of the things with baptism is I think kind of unfortunately that a lot of times we're, we're, we're doing baptism, baptisms uh, when we haven't actually gone taking people through the real process. We kind of like give them some boxes to check off on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And if they can check the boxes off, we go, oh, yeah, okay, you're ready for baptism. When in my thinking, baptism is almost like it's serious as a wedding <laughs> in my mind. The commitment that we're making and we don't really treat it that way. We kind of treat it as like yeah. a, we have a baptism Sunday. All right, cool. A bunch of kids are going to get dunked. You know what I'm saying? And everyone cries and it's cool and it's neat. Um, but are we really grilling them, if you will? Are we taking them through the process? Are we watching lives? Are we seeing, uh, I kind of stand with the uh, old school you know, mindset of when they used to listen to people and then they'd watch them. They'd watch their lives for a good while and they'd go, yeah, this guy's born again. Or God's marked this person. Something's happened in this person, and not just I said yes. So we have that joke. And <laughs> we got that so you cool. go in as a wet sinner, or you go you go in as a sinner, you come out as a wet sinner. The baptism <laughs> itself doesn't actually save or regenerate. Yeah. So so this would be again a clarifying question. Um, do, so just like my wedding ring, my wedding ring doesn't make me married. Like I'm gonna take this ring off right now. I'm gonna try really hard. Okay, and taking this off doesn't unmarry me. Right, but it is a symbol of my marriage. Would you say baptism is similar, or that there is an active? Um, uh, I don't. I want to. I hate to use the word dispensation. Is there is there something that comes upon the life of a bl- the believer for benefit that benefits them? Um, I actually really like your analogy of baptism being like a wedding ring. Uh, I think that that really fits on multiple levels. It connects with the concept of baptism. So I would say yes. Baptism is like an important symbol except that the wedding ring you know as we decide hey where did this really come from we know baptisms from the lord for us so this is not something we fabricated it's just biblical but it doesn't save the person if if a person's not been baptized they're still saved if they have faith and trust in christ if they've been baptized and they don't have faith and trust they're not saved like it it doesn't affect salvation it's supposed to be post or or even at the moment of someone coming to to know the lord that's fine um i personally uh, I, I used to feel more like we should, like you were saying, uh, Jeff, that we should, um, Jeff, right? Jeff. Yes, yes, yes. Jeff. I'm so bad with names. <laughs> Jeff, you were saying that, Steve, uh, that right? we should, Steve? you know, sort of train somebody or, or watch their life more. I do sort of agree with that, but and I used to kind of be more along those lines. But personally, after really studying the topic of baptism in the book of Acts, it seems like people got baptized like the day they professed oh, salvation yeah. in Christ. Okay. And so... Um, so just because of that sort of example, I, I'm now really like, right. I don't even want you to wait for the next baptism no, okay. whenever it's scheduled. It right. I'm, I'm kind of like, right now. but I agree with you on how serious it is. Yeah. But I think it's okay to just, just ask him like, hey, man, are you serious? Are you ready? So, yeah. <laughs> are yeah. you serious? You're right, man. You know? he, does, he does politely yeah. rebuke you. No, he so, does politely so, correct So <laughs> those of you who are our audience that are watching on Facebook and YouTube, um, we, we really enjoy Bethel Church, but Mike does... In my opinion, the best critique video I've ever seen in my life, and I watch. I'm on YouTube a lot, y'all. So uh, he, I think Mike, Mike Bickle, I, it's not his name. I think Bill Johnson could watch the video and go, "This, whether he agrees or not, would say Mike loves me." And I think this, you know, I think he would think critically about some of those doctrines and some of those sermons that he had preached. I think it was very helpful for the body of Christ. So do not, 
shut this video down and go watch that one. You can watch that one when we're done. <laughs> um, it's really, really good though. Uh, so, so when we're talking about baptism, we talk about, okay, so this is a symbol. This isn't, this isn't uh, an actual, uh, there's not an actual power that is being released here. Uh, this is one of the issues that I come to when trying to figure out pedo baptists um, because Presbyterians would kind of align with you and I on the expression of baptism and what it means and not what it does. We would say this means something. It doesn't do something, which is something that is confusing to me with the pedo baptists And I want to I want to help frame some of this dialogue. Uh, I think the primary uh, position of a pedo baptist and those of you who are watching pedo baptism just means baptizing infants that was my next thing or, or children say, please tell them what it means <laughs> yeah there we go uh, so so comes from genesis 17 right so in genesis 17 he institutes he being god institutes a covenant with abraham right you can find it in, in verses 7 through 10 uh, and he says uh, this covenant will be with you and with your children and others say descendants right and this will be the sign the sign that this will be with you and your children, right? The sign will be circumcision, right? Uh, and then almost an identical um, proclamation is given in Acts chapter 2. Or I say identical. It's similar in Acts chapter 2, uh, 36 through 39. He says this, you know, um, uh, what must we do to be saved? It cuts them to the quick of the heart. What must we do? Mm, yeah. And he says, uh, repent and believe the gospel. This, and he says, and he says, get baptized. This is for you and for your children. Um, and we can go and, and read that text. So I quote it verbatim. But the idea was that the first covenant was given and the sign of that covenant was circumcision. And, and that there seems to be a repeated mode by which the second covenant is given and that there is a similar sign that is disp that is uh, dispensed. dispensed I should say um, to those people so that kind of frames that dialogue I'm gonna toss it to Mike um, okay so uh, I was thinking about this and um, I noticed a couple disconnects in my opinion because what I understand is we're drawing a parallel between circumcision and baptism mm -hmm. and then this is going to relate for people watching this is going to relate to, to ch child or infant baptism pedo baptism in this way we're going to say infants were circumcised therefore infants get baptized like that's that's the parallel that's being made and my contention will be that that can't be established biblically and so um, anything I say that sort of breaks the connection between circumcision and baptism or between the practice of how circumcision was done and how baptism is done. Anything that breaks that will, I think, break this connection. Um, it's interesting just to note, first off, we don't have any New Testament teaching that says infants be baptized, but we have clear Old Testament teaching that says um, infants be circumcised. In fact, we're even told how many days old they have to be when it happens. Mm. So you got to wonder, like, why was this not mentioned? Um why didn't why didn't this come up if it was so important? And or it is in the conversations baptisms. on circumcision, like in the book of Galatians, where Paul's mm -hmm. like, hey, um, it's not necessary for you to be circumcised. That would have been a great point for him to say, but you should have been baptized. That would have been a yes. really good point to have added there. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I and I, I see. OK, I see that there's circumcision and baptism have a few points of correspondence. Mm -hmm. I, I do agree with there are a few points, but I don't think there's as many as there's being implied. For instance, the sign of the covenant was circumcision, right? Um, where in the New Testament does it say the sign of being into the new covenant is baptism? Do you know of any passage that says that? Um, I mean, yeah. that would that would really help them with sure. that that pedo baptism case. I mean, there I there, there are those there are those verses that. Um, 
I'm thinking of one in Colossians, but it, but I agree with you. It doesn't say directly that this is the new circumcision, that this okay. should be done. And, and like you said, there's no explicit scripture that would say, um, hey, uh, baptize your children on the eighth day. Um, it, it is it is through a very careful mathematical uh, appropriation of, hey, I see this Old Testament, therefore that means this in the New Testament. It's a very careful analytical approach um, where I think you would agree uh, that the scripture doesn't condone such a mathematical approach. It doesn't condone such a, a, a rigid framework. Uh, that, that's kind of eisegesis. People are reading that into the text. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say that if there's any kind of sign that is of being in this, you know, this new experience, you know, it's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's not baptism. He's the sign and the seal. Yeah. <laughs> Specifically, Delivered. we're sealed Holy. with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And that's what you find, too, when most people, when you bring up baptism, like, they, or you, if you've been born again, they always say, yeah, I was baptized. Like, <laughs> because we've lost track of, you know, Josh will tell you, he will attest that that's one of my biggest theological, you know, points that I love to talk about is the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. And I think that we don't do a great job of, of getting to that and that people, we start leaning on these other things. And you look in the scriptures and you see, like you said, you don't see this clear cut uh, picture painted of how it's supposed to be done. And I really believe that's because the Lord didn't want to do it that way because he knows how prone we are to look at, oh, I, here's the checklist I can check off. I did dot, 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 mm -hmm. which we still do it anyway. We still say, oh, well, I was born again. Therefore, I'm going to heaven. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's why he's that's why it's not in the New Testament, because he was trying to keep us from falling into mm -hmm. the trap that we built ourselves and fell into anyway. Yeah. So. so, so again, that's that's the book of Galatians, right? Yeah. You've started in in the spirit. Don't fulfill yeah. the lust of the flesh. And and I think you're right that oh, it would be a clear a clear opportunity for him to have said that yeah. if he were going to say that, or if that was his intention to say that. Um, and and, a, and another thing, when it comes to exegesis, I think that just to educate our audience, when you're looking at a text, you have to look at the purpose of what the text was written for, right? We mentioned this on the phone that there are people who will read a descriptive text. Descriptive meaning they describe what is happening, and and they will read it as if it was a prescriptive text, uh, a text where Paul is saying this is what you should do. Um, you should, um, uh, you know, he didn't say you should fast twice a day. He says you should repent and believe. Like this is a this is what you're supposed to do. Right. Whereas the book of uh, the book of Acts was just Luke going back and saying this is what happened. For example, Paul and Barnabas split up in Acts chapter 15. It's not saying every time you have a dispute with your brother, make sure that you split up in your missionary <laughs> journey. That's not that's not what's being communicated there. It's not telling you what to do. It's telling you what happened. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, Jesus picks up mud, throws it in a guy's eyes. He's not telling you this is how you heal blind Works people. every time. He's just saying this is what happened. <laughs> I wish. Wouldn't That'd be heal? awesome. It would be pretty cool. Um, yeah. So I think that's an important thing as we come to the text. Uh, we have uh, a Scott uh, uh, Morrill who's on Facebook who's saying, well, what about the problems of, like, uh, women, right? Women weren't circumcised in the Old Testament. Women, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, in the New Testament are certainly baptized, uh, where also there are other contingencies mm -hmm. that are different than the Old Testament, like uh, people groups. It's not to a nation, it's to the world. Your thoughts mm -hmm. on that, sir? I think that's another disconnect, right? So circumcision is unlike baptism in that you know baptism is for all people. Circumcision was for male Jews. Mm -hmm. Okay, there's a difference. Um, there's a significant difference, actually. Um, circumcision was to be done regardless of belief or not. Baptism is only for believers. I mean, 
you know, Abraham is told to circumcise his whole household. He's never told that they have to all be believers. It's never, it never even comes up as a topic. It's just do this, Abraham. It's your act of obedience. Just do it. But I couldn't imagine circumcising adult unbelievers. Uh, so I, I don't, I think there's a disconnect there as well. Um, circumcision was specifically commanded for infants. In fact, yeah. that ended up being its primary application was to infants, not even to adults, because once it was done, it was done. But uh, here's one other point that I think is really interesting. The New Testament does actually draw out an example of here's circumcision, Old Testament, like sort of shadow, and then here's the New Testament reality, and it's in Romans chapter 2. But instead of giving baptism as the New Testament reality, it gives the Holy Spirit as the New Testament reality. So can I read that passage? Yeah. Yeah. So here's Romans 2.25. It says, for circumcision is uh, indeed is of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. So the, the conclusion is in verse 28 here. It says, for no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly. And circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit not by the letter, his praise is from uh, man, is not from man, but from God. And so baptism is not mentioned here. It, instead, he's just like, circumcision is this outward reality. What's it really talking about is this inward spiritual thing that happens in a person's life. Mm-hmm. And that's what you really need. So the circumcision corresponds to an inner spiritual reality, not baptism. Okay. That's, that would, that's what I would say. See where the parallel of the New Testament actually draws is. Uh, in fact, I don't know of any verses that draw the kind of parallel that you need between circumcision and baptism. It's almost as though I look to the New Testament, I can't find justification for infant baptism. So I go to the old and I find something you did to infants then, and then make that the reason why I should do this to infants now. It's kind of making it's, it's, it's something that we're, you know, to, to build such a pretty important theology. If you're thinking about the ramifications of, should we be baptizing babies? Um, to build all of that on an assumption, (laughs) based on an Old Testament scripture that has nothing to do with actually baptism is it's a pretty big leap yeah, yeah. yeah. and 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 so there, there are some arguments for pedo Baptists okay so your your primary one is let, let's look at Genesis right Genesis looks kind of like the book of Acts when it talks about your children who are far off and and just for the sake I, I want to make sure that we're not building a straw man I don't our, our Presbyterian brothers who love the Lord and I want to be very clear um uh, I do not want this broadcast to be a broadcast that's like, hey, we've got it right, they've got it wrong. I do believe that these, I do believe we have it right, and I do believe they have it wrong. Um, but, uh, but I do believe that they are they are doing this honestly and with integrity, and that they're 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 viewing the scriptures and and they're going to they're the not scriptures. Sheep's clothing. No, this like is that, yeah. this is sola scriptura. This is they they believe that they are pulling this authority from the text of scripture, um, and they have an, mm-hmm. a, a way of exegeting that. Now, what me and Mike yeah. and Jeff are saying is that we believe that's an incorrect uh, exegetical approach. We think there's a different way of approaching the text. So these people love the Lord. Uh, they're, they're God-fearing people. They, uh, they're, they're great men and women of God. And they would say that this, they find it in Scripture, that it is, they would uh, build this not upon the Catholic Church. They wouldn't build this upon tradition. They would say, you know, this is because we believe in Scripture so highly. That's why we practice this. I want to make sure that as I'm looking the Scripture up, that we fairly represent mm-hmm. our brothers who would believe this position. Yeah, yeah exactly. So the best thing we can do is take their strongest, most powerful arguments 
and then unpack that and consider it in the light of the context of the verses yeah. they're using. So. Right. And then I got some instigator stuff. So Absolutely. Right. Let's do it. So, okay, so, so uh, uh, Genesis chapter 17, verse 7, and I will establish my covenant between me and you, your offspring after you throughout their generations for every lasting uh, for an everlasting covenant to be uh, to be God to you and to your offspring after you and I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings all of the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession and I will be their God and God said to Abraham as uh, as for you you shall keep my covenant you and your offspring after you throughout their generations this is my covenant which you shall keep uh, between me and you and your offspring after you, every male among you shall be circumcised. And it continues the passage, but I think that's the main portion uh, that that they would they would say, hey, look, this is the sign of the old covenant. And then they would transition into Acts and read that passage there in Acts to kind of make a, a similar... Uh, so where okay so yeah. we agree on genesis here right like we can actually say hey uh, us and the pedo baptist we agree on genesis like yes abraham was supposed to do this mm-hmm. um i think where we might disagree is in the phrase in understanding the phrase to you and your children after you mm-hmm. the covenant being you and your children the emphasis isn't infants it's abraham's descendants and that's consistent with what god says mm-hmm. to abraham in lots of places in genesis where he's like your descendants right 400 years later and they'll come out and and then they'll enter this land and i'll give it give you know i will multiply you and make all this stuff it's always about um offspring not in the sense of babies but in the sense of you know this whole nation of people who will come from his loins so to speak mm-hmm. so um so i don't think that in genesis 17 the emphasis is on infants there however i will say yes infants were, were circumcised like that's no doubt absolutely but the reason why i mentioned that is because when you go to acts and it says you and your offspring mm-hmm. if you think offspring means infants then it can skew the way you view the Acts passage. So in Acts 2.39, he says, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. This is, again, in the context of Genesis, the types of promises, it's about offspring, not just babies. It's about descendants, not just infants. So if if I were a paedo-baptist and I was was debating you right now, I would kind of hold your feet to the fire and be like, okay, so what blessing do my offspring have? Because I give my life to Jesus, how do is there is there some kind of covering over them? Is there what what benefits them if the promises to me and my offspring? How do they access it? How does that cover them? Um, if I have infants, let's just yeah, let's go for it. Um, I would I would think that that's a misunderstanding of Acts two. Acts two is not saying you get saved and your kids will get a t- some sort of blessing of covering or mm-hmm. something. It's, no, instead it's repent and believe and you'll be saved. That message is for you. It's for your children, children's ah. children, you know, it's for, and it's for all the nations. Right. This message goes to everybody. So the blessing is believe in Jesus, get saved, which yeah. is a pretty so good he, blessing the, in my the, opinion. What he's saying is yeah. I'm, I'm giving you this promise that's based in you believing that you repent and believe. And now you need to teach that to your kids. It's still, it's a promise for your kids. But you, we have a responsibility unto our children to raise them up in the way they should go so that when they, you know, they don't, they don't depart. So, What'd you yeah. know, so well, I, I, it's kind of one of the things, kind of what you said almost. It's so if yeah, it, those who are Pado Baptist, um, they're they're believing to clarify that baptizing the infant, baptizing the baby, is saving the child. Correct. Yes and no. So okay. so there are some Pado Baptists that would yeah, say this is yes, it saves. Okay, and then other Pado Baptists who say no, it doesn't. Okay. So, so what is the point if it doesn't save? Uh, 
so if it doesn't save, what's the purpose? It's some kind of covering, some kind of blessing that is dispensed to them through baptism. Okay. Is the only thing that I can gather. Now, the same way that a child that's circumcised through Abraham mm-hmm. um, has a blessing to be the covenant family of God, to say that because they were circumcised, anyone who curses that child will right. be cursed. Anyone who blesses that child will be blessed. That that a similar dispensation, I hate using that word, would, would be on the New Testament Fair. covenant people of God. So... I don't know where the verse is. Um, forgive me because I didn't prepare for this aspect. I, I, this came to me in the middle of this. So is there not a verse where it talks about that when you're married, if one of you is a believer, your children are covered? Are you looking that up, Mike? Yeah, let, job, me, let me find it. Yeah. All right, cool. And the reason why <laughs> yeah. I ask this is because it's, it's in the sense of uh, along the same lines for, for me is, you know, when we're in our churches, especially in the charismatic, I don't know how they're in the Reformed Church they do all these things in, in, in every aspect, but we do a, de- a baby dedication. We dedicate our children when they're, they're really young. We did with all three of ours. Yeah. We take them on stage. We pray over them. We declare you know, the promises of God. If they're really, really charismatic, they're getting like prophetic words about their They're dunking life. in oil. Yeah. We don't do, we don't do water know, baptisms. They we know do what, oil baptisms. They know what nation they're called to true, by guys. the time they're six months old. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're just getting everything. It's just a download, right? No, so... But we do this. So is it not a similar, I know it's funny, but it's true. But is it not a similar thing where it's just like we're consecrating our child. We're saying, God, this is our baby, but we're surrendering in this baptism. Is it not yeah. something that we actually are kind of practicing ourselves? Because okay, we're believing me, that when we're praying over the baby that we're, you know, so it's kind of. Okay. So a lot of times when we get into these issues, we start splintering off into kind of, yep. oh, and this and this and this. And this is kind of one of those and this and this things because, um, you know, possibilities right baptism brings some kind of blessing upon a person even though it doesn't bring salvation okay or not it's just an act of obedience either way i'm going to do it like right yeah. and same thing for kids like if if god wants me to baptize my my infant my child i'm like blessing or no blessing man i'm going to obey the lord and so is there a blessing on baptism is kind of a sort of different subject than should we baptize infants and definitely well and the reason why not related to the salvific one is and and so if 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 they are doing it and they're believing something that's if they believe like it's salvation like it's tied to their salvation sure. or or there is a blessing on it or whatever what's wrong with it is there is there an actual like is there is there something is there a trap we're building in here that they can step into something where theologically they start believing something that's actually does it make it wrong? Is it ever really wrong? Is it is it necessarily evil? Yeah. And I don't even want to ask the question. So why are we even having the debate? But that's kind of what it comes down to. Is yeah, when it comes down to it, are we splitting hairs at times, not realizing that we're actually splitting hairs because we're actually misidentifying what each other really believes? Does yeah. that make sense? Hmm. I'm being instigator. Yeah, I hear you. Go. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> Uh, when it comes to just like, what does the scripture say? We can at least discuss it. I mean, it's worth yeah. talking about. It's yeah. worth trying to faithfully follow God For in sure. these areas. Um, when it comes to infant baptism, what harm could it cause? Well, the, the weird thing about infant baptism is we all agree on a couple things, right? We all agree that with adults, you don't baptize people who don't believe in Jesus. Like that's, I don't know anyone who debates on the other side of that sure. issue. Like believers baptism, we all agree there. Yeah. And we agree on another thing. Infants aren't believing. So when you, as soon as you baptize an infant, you are now saying that you can baptize someone who, who doesn't have faith in Jesus. Now they don't reject okay. him either, right? They're infants. They're just neutral here. There's, there's no faith though. Um, anyway, go ahead. You got a point to make on that, Josh? I do. So there, there have been those who would say that there are infants who can believe. 
Um, have you heard? I'd these? imagine they're probably a pretty small minority. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> so here, could here, be wrong. here are the proof texts. I'll let you, you Google them real quick or whatever, or however you yeah, here you type in. So I'm just assuming that you've got some kind of digital Bible. Um, uh, some proof texts would be Psalms 22, 9 and 10. Uh, Psalms 71, 5 and 6. And then the other one I can reference and you'll know exactly what it, it is. But Psalms 22, 9 and 10. Psalms 71, 5 and 6. Now Psalms 22, 9 and 10 talks about David believing uh, in the Lord that he is his God as he is weaning on his mother's breast milk, right? Um, well, Psalm 22 is, is really about Messiah. It's really about Jesus Christ. It was never fulfilled in that sense with for David. There you go. So so Jesus can be said to trust while on his mother's breast because, because of his Jesus. unique nature. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah. And that, that's a good one. So and then Psalm 71, 5 and 6. Um, I, I do not believe that this is attributed to David. Um, but Psalms mm-hmm. 71, it's the psalmist, uh, it, as I referenced it. At least I didn't have uh, a specific author when looking at it. Yeah. You um, are my trust from my youth. Mm-hmm. So uh, anyway, and, and the final one is in Luke chapter 1, verse 41. This is a, a reference that you'll, you'll understand or you'll catch. It's definitely the one uh, with John the Baptist in his mother's womb. Jesus comes in the room and he leaps um, in the presence of Jesus, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, anyway, mm-hmm. not to say that I believe these things or these scriptures, these were the scriptures that were given, uh, as researching people said, Oh, babies can't believe infants can't believe. And their argument was of course that, that faith is a gift from God, according to Ephesians chapter two, uh, yeah. and in Philippians chapter one, that, that this is a grace that is given. God gives us faith supernaturally. So who's okay. to say he couldn't give it to a baby? So I have, a, it, I've now I've honestly never heard someone make that case. Right. So I just thought I'd, I'd be the I would take time to process it. <laughs> um, I have a, I have a problem with using the Psalms for that personally, because I think that we are obviously looking at poetic passages yes. and we're trying to take them to say that no infants, you, no infants can have, infants can have like confident faith about issues but this would mean let's follow uh, logically if infants can have genuine faith in god then infants can also reject god Mm -hmm. so again we have a problem because if you're baptizing an infant you may be baptizing someone who's willingly rejecting god (laughs) i'm sorry when he's laughing at that when you say it it's like he just sees like this little chucky like baby (laughs) who's like really angry like i don't like god i'm just saying because in my view, they're they're kind of neutral, you know. There's no no faith, no unbelief. Sure. It's just there's just nothing there. <laughs> and then, um, but if you're going to say that they that they John the Baptist was really saved in the womb, well, then wouldn't you have to say then, or are you saying that some babies are having faith in God, and then now you have to have a you can lose your salvation? It just creates oh, all man. sorts of interesting theological conundrums. Yeah, there's there's so <laughs> many rabbit trails that come from that. And it's like, well, can you lose your yeah. salvation? Let's some guys. Let's yeah. Does that mean that he never fell from grace and that he was? Yeah. I don't know, that, that's a slippery slope, man. Yeah, um, because either 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 you think all babies are saved and then some of them lose their salvation later, uh, in which case you can baptize them. But then you think baptized saved people can lose their salvation, and it would seem to happen at a high rate. Well, I mean, um, so what the question that you know people want to ask all the time? Well, what what happens to babies when they do die? You know, I mean, do we do we have any clarity on that kind of stuff? You know what I mean? Because I think that's it's a very pastoral question for this topic. Well, now, what I mean is, I think that's the motivation for this in the first place. Is people uh, are they have a fear, you know, and it comes mm-hmm. from that. Well, I don't want my baby to die yeah. and go to hell, you know. So, um, and here I think we're saying something really odd if we say that my baptized child is more likely to go to heaven. Because what am I saying about all the unbaptized children yeah. that that die? Still I think that they're second. I think they're all on the same plane. I think that personally, I think God receives them to Himself, yeah. Yeah. and I think that they're saved by God's grace. Uh, Our reformed brothers Christ. would probably yeah. have an issue with that. Um, 
and and the only kind of context that I would bring to that is I do believe we were born with a sin nature, mm-hmm. um, but I do not believe that we're born sinners because to be a sinner you have to break or violate God's law. So I, I do believe that coming into the world we're born with a sin nature. We're born with that bent, but the the definition of sin is to inten- It's a it's an intentional flagrant foul. That's a, that's a sports term. Yeah, 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 praise, a yeah I got foul. one. So so it's an intentional <laughs> missing of the mark, right? And in an infancy, that's not a pos- That's not possible, or at least we would make the case that it's not possible to intentionally violate God's law. Uh, yeah. So um, what I was hoping we could talk about, if we have time right now, is yeah. there's a few. I think the most powerful argument made for infant baptism is the the times where we read in the book of Acts about a household getting baptized. Uh, Is that something we could talk about? Let's do it. Okay, so I've actually got four examples. And what I did was I heard originally heard this and thought, well, that's interesting. Households getting baptized, like, because I'm I'm willing to go either way. (laughs) You know, God's God's will be done. Like, you know, tradition set aside and just go with what the scripture says. That's at least what I my hope to do is, you know, follow just the, the text. Um, but the first one is um, Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. And so Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, this this is a Gentile who ends up believing in Jesus because Peter comes, but Peter has a vision, he comes yeah. and speaks the gospel to Cornelius. But this is the first time the word household comes up in the book of Acts at all. The first time the word household comes up, but it's actually not in conjunction with baptism. It's in Acts 10, 2, where it talks about Cornelius and it says he is a devout man who feared God with all his household, mm. gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. Question. If there were infants in Cornelius's household, then they feared God, right? Or there were no infants in his household. <laughs> a more likely or, translation. <laughs> or there's a third option. These are only three options, right? There's infants that fear God. There's no infants in the household. Or when you talk about a household, you naturally ignore the infants. Yes. Or the third that's option, which is you use reason and logic. <laughs> well, I think that's what he's saying. Make irrational assumptions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. So, we, so, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So when when Genesis talks about 300 people, um, and, if, and I'm using that number because I remember that those were the number of people who went and chased down Lot, right? So we know that his household was at least that big, right? So so Abraham had a large and in that large of a, of a household. You assume you you have to assume that there are infants, that there are there are children. They're definitely present. procreating. Yeah. There's 300. Of whereas them. <laughs> whereas in Cornelius's <laughs> yeah. household there could be three people, there could be two people, there could be five people. They could be sterile. Mm-hmm. There's no way of knowing. Yeah, and I I really think as I study these passages that the term household just naturally ignores infants. Sure. Just like if you take all your family to the movie and your baby sleeps through it and they go, "Did you like the movie?" and they said and you go, "My household loved the movie." <laughs> You're obviously ignoring your infant. Everybody knows sure. your infant has no opinion about the movie, right? So, <laughs> no, no, I hear you. Uh, so, um, <laughs> as we keep reading in Acts chapter ten, um, I have infants. <laughs> you they do, love see? movies. It's a bad yes. example for me, but that's okay. I hope they're not bothered by me talking about them like this. Well, um, yeah, he's gonna. Their, their faith is being shaken. I guarantee. Yeah, Ezra is. <laughs> he's not happy right now. <laughs> but uh, in Acts ten thirty three, uh, Cornelius he says, "We're all present to hear the things commanded you by God." He says this to Peter, like, we are all present, and he tells him why, to hear the things, comm- you're like, and here's my three-month-old baby, he's no, here to hear, hear the things. Obviously, he's just not considering the infants. Uh, if yeah. there are any there, they're not in his mind. And then later in Acts 10, this is this is the first household baptism passage, right? Acts 10, 44. It says, while Peter was still saying these things, he's, he's speaking the gospel to them, This the Holy Spirit fell on, quote, all who heard the word. 
all. They all received the Holy Spirit. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speak in tongues. Who's speaking in tongues? Everyone who heard the word, everybody, right? This, here's a formula. If you're there, you're hearing the <laughs> All word. All I can you're, think of is a baby speaking, speaking in tongues. tongues. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, babies already speak in tongues. So no, does that make them no, automatically yeah. baptized in the spirit? No, no Jeff. <laughs> Um, you know, different kind of tongues, but no, no. Um, yes. So then, then Peter declares, like, can anyone withhold? Go ahead. Peter says, can anyone withhold uh, water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. who really was baptized as part of Cornelius's household? People who heard, people who received, believed, people who received the Holy Spirit, who spoke in tongues, are the same ones that got baptized. Yeah. So this actually seems to indicate that if there were infants they're not considered when you say the word household you just everybody knows you're not talking about the infant sure. um the next uh the next one is lydia um lydia's in acts 16 15 this is just a one verse one pretty pretty short but it's um after she was baptized and her household as well she urged us saying if you've judged me to be faithful to the lord come to my house and stay and she prevailed upon us mm-hmm. so she was baptized and her household was baptized as well they would say you know there's probably infants in her household but i think we have good reason to think that there probably aren't um actually so first i would just evaluate why would we assume infants were baptized in this example and let me pause for a second and just remind us why we're doing this exercise we're doing this because there's no clear teaching that infants are to be baptized in the Bible. So what they're now looking for is examples of it because the example would bolster it. Even if the teaching's not there, that's what they were doing. So we have their practice. Of if it. the prescriptive command isn't present, they yes. at least have an example of it taking place in a descriptive book. In a, yeah, and descriptively. So yeah. um, Lydia, what's the deal with her? Um, well, obviously households could just naturally ignore the infants even if they're present. Um, infants aren't mentioned specifically. And it's entirely possible that Lydia was either unmarried or past childbearing because notice this, she's the host. Normally it would be the guy who's mentioned to be the host, but specifically Lydia is said to be the host. And there's another piece of information in Acts 16, 14, one verse, one verse before this, we find out that Lydia is not actually from that town. Um, in Acts 16, 14, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira a ways away. A seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Mm. She gets baptized and she says, come into this home. She's traveling on business. She's selling purple, not just the color purple, but you know, like cloths and robes and whatever. She's selling nice goods and wares and she's traveling on business. So it's entirely possible with, it seems no husband present. Her household may well have just included servants or even other family members that served with her. The least we can say is Lydia, like Cornelius, doesn't give us any kind of solid case that infants were being involved in baptism. That's good. Yeah. Would you like to hear another? Yeah, yeah do more. another one. Yeah, I'm, I'm, trying, right. I'm trying to view up questions got, while you're going yeah, through them. coming fast and furious, There's man. so many questions, and I appreciate oh, you guys. Yeah. Keep keep tossing them in there. Yeah, I'm trying. I'll, yeah, just interrupt me if you want. I'm just moving quick so that we can get this out there because these are this, to me, is the most convincing of the reasons to believe in baptism, even yeah. if they're not in my opinion, good reasons, they're the most effective. And so dealing with them is important. So uh, the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16 is another example. So I'll read in in Acts 16, 31. They say to the jailer, uh, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Okay, so that's the first time households mentioned. But again, the instruction is believe and you'll be saved, you and your household. So belief is still required. Mm -hmm. 
for the household. Yeah. It's assumed that the members of this household are people who are capable of believing. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. So now if, if infants are in view in this phrase with household, they're actually preaching the gospel to the infants. So before we baptize them, we have to speak to them, mm-hmm. which starts to feel a little silly. I mean, it, maybe not as a parent, but as a pastor. No, <laughs> yeah. no, no, no. I'd probably I mean, hold up my own little baby and say all sorts of things. Yeah, but yeah. So but as have, a pastor, like come over to someone's house and preach the gospel to an infant might feel a little awkward. I'm super proud of my my three-year-old, right? Because he was in childcare and someone stole a toy from another kid and he walked up to him and said, you have broken God's law, right? And and, <laughs> and then and then we were, we were at VBS and he's in a group of like kids who are like way older than he is and they're going through these sessions and my kid's like bouncing off the walls. He's totally not paying attention, right? And then they ask him, you know, do you guys know what sin is? And David says, breaking God's law. And they go, oh, wow, that's okay. And then they say, you know, in Jesus, you know, you know, who is Jesus? And he goes, it's the only begotten son of the father, full of grace and truth. I mean, he's like, you know, picking stuff off the ceiling or whatever. You know, he's like not even pay attention. He's just got programmed <laughs> answers that I make him, you know, wow. recite. Yeah, so awesome. um, the, the reason I say that is he's three. And, and that's to get him to that place, being a parent, <laughs> believing children. I mean, I've got a one-year-old who, who can't even, he can barely say dad. You know, mm-hmm. so the idea that these eight day old nine day old babies somehow like it's it's ridiculous to assume and I, I mean, i'm saying as a father here you know um yeah it's it's way they're obviously far. not comprehending the yeah. details of the gospel message at, at, at that you know within two months of being born um so if i keep reading act 16 it says and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds so this is the jailer washes their wounds and he was baptized at once he and all his family all of his family is baptized as well then he brought them up into his house and set food before them and he rejoiced along with his entire household Mm -hmm. whoever got baptized also rejoiced Mm -hmm. now you could say infants can rejoice i think they can i mean in an infant way they can rejoice (laughs) but the rest of the verse i think refutes that because it says and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in god yeah Mm -hmm. So they're rejoicing for reasons, like specific reasons of faith in God. And this, you've got to be of a certain age to be able to un- to do this, to go, I'm so happy my dad believes, you and, know? And that yeah. was my point with David. He cognitively understands the answers because I've programmed him to understand them, but he does not have faith. He does not, he has not, he has not placed his faith or trust in Christ. He hasn't made the connection of who God is. I'm programming mm-hmm. him with these answers because I believe the seed's not going to return void so that yeah. one day that, that can germinate. Uh, but I don't, it would be a stretch to assume that my four-year-old, five-year-old even can grasp salvation, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that might offend some people, but mm, that's what I got. Maybe you have smart kids. Maybe they're very but, cognitive. But the thing is, is, is cognizance and faith are different. It's not a mental that's ascension. That's true, too. Yeah. You know, very I mean, you can, you can be programmed with the answers. You can you can know how to recite the right incantation, but incantations mm-hmm. don't save us. Yeah. You know, my kid can sit there and repeat after me, David. Yeah. You know, that doesn't save him. Oh, don't get me started on that. Um, we do I know. That. Yeah, we're, that's, a, that's a tangent <laughs> on steroids. Well, I think that's the thing is the key is, you know, in all these verses, you, you saw like his whole household, his whole house, his family, all these things. And, and we have people that are, that are emphasizing these words and they're totally leaving out the other word that was said over and over was belief. They believe, mm-hmm. they believe, they believe and all of them. That's what, it, that's the main emphasis of this is that it yeah. comes down to is they believed having the conversation with my kids. Uh, they always ask me, what's the show about tonight, dad? And I told them, you know, we're talking about baptism and, and what it means. And um, I didn't even know specifically mm-hmm. it meant pedo baptism, but I know it meant water baptism. 
and we we ran through this whole thing and and they grasped from the beginning you know Savi, my, my son sovereign said you know the 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 two thieves on the cross i've never taught him that he just he went to that verse in his mind the two thieves on the cross one said i believe and jesus said i'll see you in paradise he goes mm-hmm. he wasn't baptized i go there you go yeah. you know we don't this is not a necessity this is not something that's going to save somebody and so yeah. it, it all comes down to what is going on um, between the holy spirit um, the human heart um, ears to hear the words being preached faith is faith arising is repentant you know all of these things that you know i think that all of those come down to um that that is the essence of salvation that is the essence of all these things and baptism is awesome man and if you want to baptize your babies heck yeah man i guess go for it you know but we got to make sure that we're not we're not getting into this place where we're believing something that Mm -hmm. is removing the uh, or undermining if you will the glory of god and what Jesus did for us on the cross. And that our hope yeah. and our trust and our faith is in that and that alone. And anything that gets in the way of that, I mean, I don't care how cute your baby is. <laughs> I'm coming against it. So, <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> I think, I think we, need, we have a few questions because we, yeah. we could spend the last 15 minutes talking about regenerative baptism, but I think that might be too much. So maybe we should ask the question about people who have been baptized as babies. You know, they are believers. What's your experience? Yeah. So, so let's say there's a person who who was baptized in a Presbyterian church. They come out of uh, that denomination. They go into another denomination, uh, which requires people to believe and then be baptized. But they say, "Well, mm-hmm. I I do believe." D- do does my Pedo baptism retroact? D- does it <laughs> does it act for me now believing? What would your what would your recommendation, suggestion, command, authoritative um, command be? <laughs> I can say author- with without any doubt, my one size fits all answer for every situation of life, no matter how complicated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, I, I think I that like, what uh, what one of the problems with, with with baptizing really not not only infants but really really young children is that they very, very frequently don't like that they were baptized at that age when they get older and they want to be baptized again, Mm -hmm. not because they think it's again, but because they feel like it never really happened. And so I I heard a statistic that the average, like uh, within the Pado Baptist denomination, the average person's baptized like 2.7 times. Oh man. (laughs) You know, once as a, once as an infant, once as a teen, uh, and then once again, a little bit older as more of an adult, yeah, after uh, the backslide, <laughs> but more often than not. And, and what do you do? Like, what if you, you never gave your life to Christ till you were in your twenties Yeah, and you were, you were baptized as an infant by your parents, you know, you have a photo of it, you know, and then you're like, I, I would baptize that person again. I'd be like, yeah, I'll, I'll do the baptism for you, but I'd rather not create the situation where people feel like they have to get baptized again. Right. Um, you know, in a pragmatic sense, I think it's not super healthy. Parents, it means a lot to the parent. I get that. I fully get that. But you've got to think about your kids in the course of their whole life, not just their childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, and and if as an if you do something for them as a kid that really means a lot to you, but as they get older, it ends up maybe perhaps hindering them or yeah. causing them problems. Then maybe it's not a good thing yeah. to do. Well, let's think about their eternity. <laughs> that's kind of you know that's yeah. what we're getting down to. Is yeah. especially if they think, well, I was baptized as a kid. You know, we have that problem here in Texas. I don't know where you live, but. That's kind of a common thing. I said a prayer, I got baptized, I'm good to go to heaven. It's it totally irrelevant how I live my life now. But what you were saying mm-hmm. back to the point of, you know, people getting baptized as a child, 
um, the 2.7, you know, that at times people are baptized. It comes down to, again, I think when that verse, when you said that he and his whole family rejoiced, and that's kind of what you're robbing them of. You're robbing of that, of them, of that encounter and that decision. And I, I've been baptized twice. The first time, um, both of them were kind of my decision, but the first time it was in a church where it was like, pray a prayer. Okay. I prayed a prayer. I feel a little better. Uh, let's get baptized. Yeah. So I, I don't even remember it. I couldn't even tell you. I think of the church, but anyway. But the second time was um, at the church I went to and I was actually born again in, and we didn't have a baptismal. So we would literally go out into the parking lot and dump gallons of water on people. That's what we did. That's all we had. Um, and so I remember that so vividly. I remember I have a picture of it. I mean, in the picture, I'm holding the jug and I'm like, you see like so much joy and life <laughs> in my face. Cause that's what we're, that's what this is about. I mean, you're, you're robbing the people of that experience. Cause that is, you're saying it in front of God and man. Like again, going back to the very beginning of what I said, it's like getting married. It's so, there's something to it. That's so, um, you know, and with my son who got baptized recently, I told him, man, we, you don't have to do this. Don't, don't think you're making me happy or you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. And so we grill him. And if one day he comes to me again and says, I want to do it again, I'm going to be more power to you because I want him. I want my kids to, to, I want them to be saved, man. I want them to be right with God. I want them to do this out of their own volition and not out of, you know, making me happy. And, um, yeah, it's sad that we do that to our kids, you know? So there, there is a, a moment in the scrapbook. And, and there may be some things that you want to address in that. And you can, you can do both. I think with this question, um, there, there are movements of like UPC United Pentecostal churches who believe in the Jesus only baptism. If you don't b baptize in Jesus name and Jesus name alone, and you do father, son, and Holy spirit and you go under, then, um, then it doesn't count. Right. And you got to do it again. Mm. And, and they would say there's precedence in the book of Acts um, who people were baptized in the baptism of John. Um, and I think it, it was Apollos who was, who was teaching this. And then per, per, if I'm, huh? Is that different? And then Priscilla and Aquila, I think we can, we can answer that. They come and they teach a little bit more accurately the scriptures. If I'm not getting those two stories mixed up. You're talking about Apollos. Yeah. He yeah. was, he had, he knew the baptism of John and he was preaching it. And then, but it, it's interesting. It says he knew accurately the way of the Lord. Mm -hmm. He he was right about the baptism of John. Mm -hmm. He just didn't remember. Not you know, news, news travels slow in the ancient world. So no he he knew about John, but he didn't know the full story about the cross and the resurrection and the details that have been unpacked afterwards. So so he was teaching good theology. And my question Here, is: is they were baptized and then mm -hmm. they come in, and it seems like there is a rebaptism that takes place. So my question is not even really a, about that specific story. It's to say. There are movements that say because you did baptism wrong, you have to do it again. That's really my question is should people who've been baptized, whether through sprinkling, and we know that the mode is immersion, if if the, the, the mode is uh, pedo, should we go back and read? If it's Jesus only in the UPC movement, should we do it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? People who mm -hmm. have had a baptism, should we rebaptize yeah. them if the mode was just off a little bit? Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to an Old Testament principle that okay. I think helps us a little bit. Um, <laughs> There were prescribed sacrifices for the Israelites, right? You right. bring this animal for this event, bring this animal for that event. But for the poor, they were told that they could bring birds. Yeah. yeah. Just like bring, yeah, bring a dove, bring a sparrow, bring some inexpensive animal and use that instead. Why? Literally, because you just don't have the money for the proper sacrifice. I think if you're in a situation where, for whatever reason, like you don't have the water, you use buckets, like, okay like i don't yeah. care yeah. i mean now if, if you have the water then you should do it's it's more appropriate i guess but i think there's a biblical precedence for the lord understands the scenarios of life are complex and 
you, you maybe you, you're in the Sahara Desert and you're like, you know, I'll, I baptize you. <laughs> you know, that's all the water yeah. we got. You know? <laughs> we had this lady come to <laughs> our church. You know? She was like, like 86 years old. And she gave her life to Jesus and she was from Argentina and she's about to go back to Argentina and she smoked like two or three packs a day. And she was like, I want to get baptized and her baptismal was out. And I was like, I was going to get pictures of water. I was like, she's 86. We're doing this now. Yeah. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have another chance yeah. after this. And um, I think that that's, I think that's appropriate, but there's another issue that's kind of underneath that and more important than that with your question. And I think it's this, does the baptism quote work? What do you mean by work, right? Yeah, like, so that's a good point. If so it is a symbol, if I'm a Christian work? and I was baptized in some way that didn't honor Christ, maybe I was ignorant, maybe mm. I was raised by teachers who were weird and off, and I was baptized in some wacky way, but I really have faith in Jesus. Mm. I still am exactly the same Christian with exactly the same experience following Jesus than if I had been baptized properly. So this does not affect my walk with Christ. It is important because of obedience. It is important mm -hmm. because of what it represents. It's important because it glorifies God, but I don't think it's going to mess me up That's if good. I have been baptized in some inappropriate way, you know, probably not even knowing any better. Most likely most of us are baptized fairly young and we are just relying on those guys to hopefully be good leaders to us, yeah. you know? And, uh, and so in that sense, I'd say, yeah, now, now there is right and wrong. Like if I baptize you in the name of Joseph Smith, that, that's definitely a problem. <laughs> um, but if I, but if I wouldn't quibble over baptizing in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit, or baptizing in the name of Jesus, to me, these are equivalent things because I know who Jesus is yeah. and I, I know who the father, son, and Holy spirit are. Uh, so so it, to me, that's not the issue, but, uh, but yeah, so, so I just, you, hopefully so, that helped. I'm trying to unpack a couple so different kind of different layers of what you're saying is those who are saying that you need to be rebaptized because you were baptized wrong before when it was just kind of splitting a hairs thing. Those people are actually baptizing wrong <laughs> because they're, <laughs> they're, they're leaning on a baptism as if it's something that's more than it is. He's saying theologically, theologically. They could there, be. I mean, yeah. every situation is unique, but they, they may be thinking this. You're not really saved. Like yeah, if you die right now, I mean. yeah, your sorry. salvation's in question. You so better let us baptize you properly. You that word? I would okay. never let that guy baptize me. Yeah. yeah. Because that's not what baptism is. Oh, oh, here's a here's a really good Ooh, question. Go, because we've only got a few minutes left and you, you made a statement. I would never let that guy baptize me. Who gets to baptize? Oh, it, it, I think any believer in Jesus I love it. that that's around, you know, I right. I know that there's a there's an impression even Sometimes we, uh, I'm a pastor, mm -hmm. and so may I may I say this? We exalt pastors beyond what is proper. No, and <laughs> and we think that you know you have to be a, a pastor in order to like do the baptism or yeah. to, to lead communion or something like that. And I think it's no, it just seems Mike, natural. It's not true. It's not true. That, yeah, it just seems natural that you want a spiritual leader to do yeah. this, right? Someone who you view as a spiritual leader, maybe the person who led you to the Lord, maybe the pastor of the church, but yeah. I don't think there's some kind of strict rule on it. Right. You want it to be someone who knows what they're doing, so it just doesn't get awkward, pretty much. Mm -hmm. So we got five minutes <laughs> left in the program. So, so again, kind of tagging on to the back of that question, because I feel like if we get on to regenerative baptism, we're yeah. doing people a disservice we at this point. We burned through that last 10 minutes quick. So, yeah. yeah. So, so when Paul says, I'm glad that I baptized none of you except for, and this, this might be an out of the like a curveball, you know, for first Corinthians here for you. Uh, and if you're unprepped for it and I don't know, is a divisive question. I didn't really prep you with this one. Um, when he says, I didn't baptize any of you except for maybe, I think it's Sylvanus's house. And he mentioned some other people. Uh, and maybe that guy, as he's writing it, clearly he's thinking, Oh, maybe I did. I, maybe I did baptize somebody. Buffer this real quick. Um, it's like breaks, 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 scribe breaks. Anyway. Um, so, 
so is there something significant again i'm just kind of holding your feet to the fire with the last question is there something significant to paul saying i didn't baptize any of you is there an authority that is given to say hey look clearly you really are a believer or clearly you you have the the secret sauce because i baptized you and i made sure that you were i mean is there something is he making a claim there He's really making the opposite claim because he's like, some of you were like, oh, I'm of of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Christ. And then, and then he goes on and he, and he deals with the issue of baptism. This is all, this is first Corinthians, uh, chapter one. Right. Mm -hmm. So then after saying, I'll just read it to you. Right. He says, um, now I, now I say this, that each of you says I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos or I'm of Cephas. That's Peter. Right. Or I'm of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? See, they're thinking, Oh, Paul baptized me. So that makes Mm -hmm. me a special kind of Christian. Mm -hmm. Um, Then he goes on. I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I had baptized in my own name. Yes. I also baptized the household of Stephanas. Besides, I do not know, whether I baptized any other for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And that's a significant verse to me because that's an argument. Wait a minute. Baptism is not an essential part of the gospel. Like you're able to separate them. (laughs) He didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. That seems really significant to me. That's a winning verse for sure. Yeah. Cause like, what if he said, God didn't send me to tell people to repent, but to preach the gospel. Well, then it would be like separating repentance from the gospel. Well, he doesn't do that. Repentance is part of the gospel. You can't do that, but you can do it with baptism. Wow. Um, um, okay, Jim asks, "What about the mentally disabled? Is that is that too uh, too loaded for three minutes left? I mean, no, kind of kind of go hand in hand with the cognition of a child. I mean, yeah, I think I think we would toss it into the same place. It's a little bit off topic, but for the sake of Jim, no, yeah, yeah, we got three minutes left. Yeah, Let's so it. yeah, we would we would definitely <laughs> two minutes left. Two minutes left. Uh, go. We, I would I would broadly say yes. The answer is we would toss them in the same sin is intentionally." Fragrant, frag, I can't even say the word. Flagrantly. Flagrantly. Thank you. I was missing the L. Flagrantly intentionally missing the mark. We did it on purpose. And if someone is not able to have that cognizant awareness, uh, we would place them under that, that innocence. Yeah. But I think um, it's also one of those things that it, it doesn't matter so much. Um, where we think they are mentally, mm-hmm. we should just, we should be sharing the gospel with these people, I really believe. Because you never know. Oh, I mean, sure. We, yeah. we have some scientific evidence that says they do. They might not be able to express it. And verbally. mentally ill is such a broad yeah, topic. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So uh, we're, we're assuming that there's someone who's okay. incapacitated. That's the key to me. There's yeah. a broad spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. And the truth is that we're all mentally challenged, if you really Come honestly on. think about yeah. it. <laughs> like, there's so much I don't know and don't get. I'm sure. We're in darkness and we're brought into light. I mean, we're not as smart as we think we are. Praise God. In all reality. But, a lot of the but, that's but what within I like that. Mike. The Lord knows, I used to think like there's an age of accountability that was, and then I started realizing that terminology is kind of messed up because it implies it's about age and not accountability. Mm -hmm. So I would just put it this way. There is accountability and accountability is based on responsibility and responsibility is your ability to respond. respond. And so this is how God judges judges us based upon our ability to actually respond to what's, what we've heard and how much we know. And the Lord knows the hearts and who will be a, who is going to be a better judge of these difficult cases and borderline individuals and those who who couldn't comprehend or God, God will That's judge right. fairly and justly. Yeah. Okay. So we're wrapping up the program. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in today to the remnant radio. Great show. Thank you, Mike, so much for coming on the program. It was yeah. an honor to have you. Um, thank you for having me. Tell us real quick how we can follow you. Uh, how do people follow you? What's the best way to get in touch? Um, the best way is just on on YouTube, just Mike Winger, just my name, like like a bird, wing winger. Um, that's it. it. 
that's probably the easiest way to find me is, is just right there on YouTube. And um, you can also go to BibleThinker.org. We're wrapping up the program. For those of you who are new to our show, uh, please go to our website at TheRemnantRadio.com. Uh, my, my producer will ton, put tons of apps in the bottom corner right here. Um, but those are different platforms you can watch us on. Uh, Facebook, YouTube. We're on uh, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, the whole nine. Bless you guys. We love you. We will see you next week.